Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Panato, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how is it going? <laughs> it's going all right, Nick. How are you? I'm doing just terrific. I have seen technically three movies this week. Wow. What'd you see? I have seen Lonely Island Presents The Unauthorized Bash Brothers Experience, which is like a 30-minute short on Netflix. Okay. I watched The King's Speech from 2010, hmm. and then I watched, uh, I just got done watching it, The Legend of Tarzan from 2016. All right, then. Uh, I saw what, The Legend of Tarzan from 2006. I don't even remember that. This is live action? Reason. Legally, yes. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I saw one movie this week, and that was called The Invisible Man. Oh, you went and saw it? I sure did. Okay. In fact, I went and saw it like a couple hours after <laughs> finishing the last podcast. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So I've got a preview corner coming up, and uh, oh. and then a movie. But it sounds like you okay. saw a lot of stuff, so uh, you start with something. Well, I guess I'll start with uh, the unauthorized Bash Brothers experience from 2019. I, I don't have a whole lot to say about this. It's it's 30 minutes long. It's basically just six music videos pushed back to back to back. And if you like Lonely Island, you'll like this. They make fun of Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco from the 80s. And it's supposed to be they made Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire made a rap album in the late 80s during the, the height of the Bash Brothers days when they were in Oakland. And this this is it. And that's it. That's, that is the whole movie. Oh. And I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was terrific. I kind of want you to watch it. Cause I just want to hear you discuss it, but like not knowing anything about baseball that would not affect your enjoyment of this if uh -huh. you're into it. But I could, I could see you going either way on this where, where either you hated it or you were like, this was silly and fun. You know what? I recently heard somebody else talk about this and from what they said, I was like, that sounds like the sort of thing I would hate. And <laughs> so I feel like I'd go in one direction on this, but since it's only a half hour, maybe, maybe I'll check it out. We'll see. It's pretty silly. There's one part, Maya Rudolph shows up and she's singing this one song called Shake Your Butt. Uh -huh. Your mama gave you that butt, so shake your butt. And they just keep getting closer and closer to Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco. And they just keep saying, shake that butt, shake that butt, shake that butt. <laughs> and <laughs> the music stops and it's just these people in this parking lot saying it over and over again. God damn it. I was dying. I was I was almost rolling on the floor. I was laughing so hard because they're just so uncomfortable. They're just like, please stop. Stop saying it. Stop saying it. And then it just goes to the next song. Hmm. But it's a lot of steroids jokes, a lot of baseball jokes. But I don't think not if you didn't know anything about baseball, it would really affect okay. you negatively watching this. But it, it was fun. That's really all I got on that. It's half hour. It's pretty great, uh, especially if you like Lonely Island stuff. I think the only thing I've seen of theirs is uh, Brigsby Bear. Have you, did you ever see Hot Rod? No, no. I remember you um, reviewing it, but I've never seen it myself. You should watch Hot Rod. I think you'd like that a lot. It's pretty funny, but you got to be in like the right mood for it. Like I could, that's another movie where I could see you either loving it or hating it. Mm -hmm. But I love that movie. I think that movie is a masterpiece. Yeah. It's a real flip of the comedies. coin with me with comedies. Like, you know, it's, the, it's the true. I end up liking, it's just like, oh, all right. I think most people, like, it, I don't know what makes that likable when the other stuff you hate so much. The stuff, the jokes in it are, are, are usually pretty random, which is what you usually go for is like I random hilariousness. It. Yeah. Something taking me by surprise. Yeah. So there's a lot of that. I like Andy Samberg. Then, uh, then you might like it even more. Uh, if you like him, he kind of sells the whole movie. He's great. All right. Uh, so yeah, check that out. If you got like an hour and a half to kill, I almost watched it tonight. And then as I was scrolling down to H on hot rod, cause I just finished watching the bash brothers thing. And I was like, Oh, I'll watch hot rod. It went too fast. And I ended up in the L's and I was like, legend of Tarzan. What the hell is this? <laughs> I like that. Your attention span was like, Nope, we're watching this instead. Yeah. That's how it went. <laughs> I guess I'll just roll right into uh, the King's Speech. I'm saving Tarzan for the end. Rock on. So the King's Speech from 2010 is directed by Tom Hooper. It stars Colin Firth, 
Jeffrey Rush and Helena Bonham Carter. And this movie tells the story of King George VI, who was the King of England during World War II. His kind of rise to power and his dealing with a speech impediment. He has a, not a stutter, but a stammer, and he he's just has a very difficult time speaking, let alone public speaking. Mm-hmm. And then he gets thrust into the role as king of England, which is a job he does not want to have because he can't talk. And the movie just kind of goes from there. This This was excellent. This was a wonderful movie. It's a movie that I've been wanting to watch since it was in theaters 10 years ago, which is crazy to me that it was that long ago. It's just one of those movies that I just kept pushing off. I was like, I'll just watch that later. I'll Mm -hmm. just watch it a little later. And finally, it was today. And so I I loved it. It was it was gorgeous. It was was beautifully shot, wonderfully acted. Colin Firth, I believe, won the best actor for this. Jeffrey Rush plays his speech therapist, and he's terrific in it. Helena Bonham Carter is there. (laughs) So I usually like her, but in this movie, she kind of didn't have very much to do, but she is, I guess, a likable character. Uh, the like the character she plays, I guess the future queen of England or whatever, or the queen mother. I don't know how that stuff works. She's she's kind of cold, but that's her job, sort of thing. So like Helena Bottom Carter does a good job in this movie. I just don't think I care for her character very well mm-hmm. or very much. Okay, but Colin Firth and Jeffrey Rush are spellbinding in this. I don't know anything about King George the Sixth, other than he was the King of England during World War II, which I then got confused with the Prime Minister, and I was like, I thought Churchill was the King of England. <laughs> Churchill's the Prime Minister, right. and I was like, oh, I'm stupid. So... There's that. But it's very it's very good. It's a good look into royal society a little bit pre pre war, post World War One society and just terrific acting across the board. Like I could not I cannot say enough about how great Colin Firth was in this. He's just amazing. At the the, the climax of the movie is he has to give a speech. Uh-huh. <laughs> which it's a speech that he has to give to England on the eve of war with Germany, with uh, Nazi Germany. And basically, it's it's the off to war now. And the people are like, OK, let's do it. And he's got to deliver this speech. And everyone knows he's got this real bad speech problem. Ex- uh, everyone in the Royal Society knows he has a real bad speech impediment. And so they're all very nervous. Right. And he is petrified. He is just goddamn terrified of one, embarrassing himself, two, embarrassing his role because he just becomes king. His brother, I want to say Philip, who's the other king? It's played by, um, so like his father, the King George V, is played by Dumbledore. Uh, okay. A Dumbledore. Uh, I'm not sure which one, the, but it's 2010. So I think it's the second Dumbledore. It would have to be. Yeah. His name's not in this list of easily accessible names so he dies and then colin firth's brother i want to say edward but i don't think that that's true uh he becomes king but he doesn't want it at all oh that's right king edward the eighth is played by guy pierce oh okay and so edward the eighth becomes king after their father's looks like he goes through alzheimer's like he kind of like loses his faculties and then they kind of like he just kind of dies from pneumonia kind of a thing i don't know i didn't do any research and guy pierce becomes king but he is in the middle of an affair. I was going to say, I thought he got in trouble for something kind of like scandalous. Yeah. He was in love with this American woman who had two other husbands at the time or something like that. Two? Yes. Huh. She had two other husbands and it was this, it's this huge scandal She's ambitious. where she's going to divorce her husbands to marry him. And I guess one of the rules of the Anglican church is you cannot marry a divorced woman, which is is ridiculous because didn't Henry the Eighth establish the Anglican Church because the Catholic Church wouldn't let him divorce his wife? You know, I don't know, but I don't think he married anyone who was divorced before him. But he got divorced. Like yeah. that's the whole reason he set up a, a yeah. religion. He that's a real divorced. big loophole to leave in. But there. he didn't marry a divorced woman. Don't you a know shame. how double standards work? <laughs> I forget so often, and so. Basically, he becomes king. He abdicates the throne for love. Aww. And 
Colin Firth then becomes the unlikely king. And now he's like, oh, now I got to give a speech. God damn it. Uh, oh, also we're at war. Shit. And there's your there's your plot. I loved it. I, th- I thought it was wonderful. It was definitely worth the wait to watch it. And then I was like, what else has this director directed? Because this was terrific. And mm-hmm. it is directed by, as I said, Tom Hooper, who is known for... Hooper! That's, that's he directed <laughs> <laughs> After this movie, he directed Les Mis. Uh, and then he directed The Danish Girl, which is supposed to be quite good. I haven't seen, seen that. that. And then last year's Cats. Oh, my. Yeah. Another movie I, I seriously can't wait to watch. <laughs> look forward to the Matt and Nick commentary to Cats. Yeah, because I'm only watching that once, maybe. Depends on how bad it is. If it's really bad, I probably will see it a hundred times. Oh, I'm guessing you might see it more than once then. Oh, okay. But I think that's all I have for this movie. It was, it's gorgeous, well acted, and... Terrific. Awesome. I've never seen it myself. I actually uh, saw the play earlier this year, but I've never actually seen the movie. I didn't know it was a play. It is. Was it a play before it was a movie or is the movie or is the play based on the movie? I think it was a play before it was a movie, but I'm I'm not 100% confident on that. I could totally see that because there's a lot of a lot of scenes in this movie that are very everything takes place in rooms. Oh, yeah. This this play needed like one set. (laughs) <laughs> basically is it just colin or jeffrey rush's office basically almost the whole time and then there's like one scene where there's a it, it's it's a, i guess in some uh, the, the castle because there's a king's chair or a throne if you will um, oh that's supposed to be uh the abbey where they put all their famous dead people oh, okay westminster well, sure that's that's the Abbey. It's either that or a dog show. It's the only, it's the it's only one of the Abbey two. I've heard of. And then uh, and then for like one scene, they put a microphone in front of him. But I think it's the the stage was still set for like the the Abbey. I guess. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, it was a good play though. I mean, I, I could see I could see the movie being good, and and I don't know quite why Colin Firth gets as much hype as he gets. But I've liked him in anything I've seen him in. So yeah. I always enjoy seeing him. Like I can't think of many other things that he's in, but every time he shows up, I'm always I'm always like taken aback. And then when he's gone, I'm like, oh, I liked him. <laughs> like, isn't he in the, that first Kingsman's movie? Uh, he's he the- he's in both kingsman movies oh you're right oh i never saw the second one but he comes back he right does. spoiler alert yeah. <laughs> well yeah, i mean that was in the preview uh it basically yeah, was the preview right. they're like hey here's this movie and then at the very end they're like by the way he's back Colin please Fur- see our movie back in action did that uh, other kings the king's man did that come out yet i don't think so man i don't even know is he in that too no no this one is a, a prequel that everyone was asking for I, I don't mean that since oh yeah okay I don't mean that anyhow well since you did your second thing and there's only one more left I suppose I will get into some preview corner preview corner we have a rapport now what was that that was <laughs> it was like an the- air horn and then. And then preview corner, but it sounds like Nick's falling off a skateboard while he's trying to say it. Uh, Uh, I'm also drinking Mountain Dew. It's very extreme. Oh, so you're losing your balance after all. That makes sense. So I'm going to, throughout this preview corner, I'm going to point out a couple things because I got to the theater to check this out. Didn't know much about it other than that you had said you heard something positive and that I had thought the previews looked pretty good, but I wasn't quite sure what I was in for. And the first preview was for Mulan. Hmm. And I thought to myself, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, I thought I was coming to a horror movie. This must not be a horror movie. And then the next preview, and by the way, Mulan looks fine, actually. Uh, I I think it was a slightly different preview than what I've seen before, or I was just paying a little bit more attention, but it looks all right. I've I've never seen the cartoon, so I don't have anything to compare it to. And then I saw a commercial or a preview for a movie called Still Believe, but which I called boy singer and then you you because <laughs> it just seemed so bad and then i was like at the very beginning of the preview like there's this kid like talking or something then they 
strummed an acoustic guitar and I was like, oh, someone's dying in this movie. And then there was like all this uplifting music and then someone's like, I need to survive. And I was like, oh, I guess they are going to die. And I wrote in parentheses, am I in the right theater? (laughs) At this point, (laughs) I'm very concerned that this movie is either going to be really bad or that I am legitimately in the wrong theater. I did buy the ticket without paying much attention because I didn't have a lot of time to get to the theater. So when I got Mm -hmm. there and they told me, go through that door into the IMAX theater. I was like, hmm, IMAX for the Invisible Man? So I really was at this point going, maybe I just went in the wrong one. Maybe they give me the wrong ticket. Who knows? My next note says, Vin Dursel sucks, but I think it meant Vin (laughs) Diesel. And that was another preview for that movie, Bloodshot. Um, Have you seen anything for that yet? I honestly haven't. I thought you were going to say it's the new Fast and the Furious trailer, and I was going to be like, that movie looks Hold on. Hold on. Hold hold on to your seats. Uh, Hold on to your butts. Then I saw a preview for A Quiet Place 2, which is the same preview again, except this time, I think it might have been the first time I realized Killian Murphy's in it. And I don't really know why I like him as much as I do, because he's not really just in tons of stuff I like, other than Batman Begins. But for some reason, whenever I see him i'm like all right cool killian murphy's here so at least there's that but anyway the movie looks like uh, i don't know like it, it could be all right or it could be another episode of the walking dead but longer mm-hmm. then i saw a preview for tenant and now this one i think is the one that you saw because it wasn't yeah. just him looking through a window with bullet holes in it and stuff happened in this trailer yeah and so tenant uh I, I it didn't really tell you what's going on but literally one of the characters said to another character don't try to understand it. <laughs> At which point I went, Chris Nolan's getting pretty lazy. <laughs> He's just telling people not to bother to try to understand his movies. And the the dialogue seemed a little overly dramatic, but I'm still intrigued. Christopher Nolan, you always got me. And then last, there was one more preview, and that was for Fast and Furious 9. Again, starring Vin Derzel. Uh <laughs> Apparently, my phone really thinks that's what I'm trying to type. I don't really know what to say about it because I've never seen any of these movies and I don't really want to. And Vin Diesel's in it, so that's kind of a turnoff for me. Uh, I know Judge Movie's not people, but I don't like Vin Diesel. And I don't know. The Rock, I guess, isn't in this one. Now that they gave him a spinoff, him and Vin Diesel don't have to be in the same movie, I guess. They hate each other, apparently. Yeah, I know. Which is why they they gave him different movies. So, okay. So he doesn't have to... They don't have to deal with each other. I guess, yeah. All right. Well, that was John it. Cena's in the new one. Yes, he that's Vin true. Diesel's, he's Vin Diesel's long lost brother, who's also a bad guy. Ah, they look like brothers. <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> oh, it looks awesome. I almost watched the uh, the fate. I still haven't seen Fate of the Furious, the eighth one, or the Hobbs and Shaw movie. Oh, I hear that Hobbs and Shaw is a steaming pile of crap. Yeah, yeah. I know. I can't wait. I, well, I apparently, you can it, wait, buddy. It was in the theater, and it's been out. On I got to be in the right frame of mind. Uh, I got to be. I got to be. Uh, I got to be ready for it. Well, it's ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was it for the preview corner. I guess when you see a movie in IMAX, you only have to see six previews, not eight. No uh, commercials. No, nothing of note. And. So, okay, so The Invisible Man mm-hmm. in IMAX. I can tell you this much, you don't need to see it in IMAX. I don't really don't really know why it was offered that way. Not that it's a bad-looking movie, but it just there's nothing that requires IMAX. It's way too like I think every scene takes place indoors and the action's pretty low-key. So, anyway, uh and the, the main Inv- character's invisible. That too. Great face acting by The Invisible Man. It's very <laughs> <laughs> Very subtle. Well, so, okay, so this movie stars Elizabeth Moss and a bunch of other people. Actually, not that many other people. I would say the person who has the second most time on screen is her, I I guess it's her sister's ex-husband, played by Aldous Hodge, who I'm pretty sure I've seen in something, but I'm not sure what. And it's never actually explained in the movie, I don't think, but... When he first showed up, uh, and I saw some interactions with him and her sister, I'm like, what's the deal here? They're not, are they together? Because they kind of like wrap their arms around each other, not in a warm embrace, but like hand, arm over the shoulder kind of thing. But they're not, they're not together. So it's a little, I don't know, a little strange and never explained. It's not bad though. It's just like, I, I don't really need them to explain it. It was just, 
interesting, I guess, because it's like, well, you don't see that too often, like exes who are getting along and the movie's not about them being exes. But anyway, he's in the movie second most to Elizabeth Moss. This movie is like all her. And the, oh, well, this is written and directed by Lee Whannell, by the way, who made Upgrade. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, I didn't know that. You know, one thing I didn't check... Uh, it was the actual what the rating was on this movie because I walked out thinking if this was rated R that seems to fit if it's PG thirteen they really pushed it to the limit looks like it's rated R so okay she is a she's in a relationship and they establish this all within the first like minute without even any lines that she's in an abusive relationship and she is trying to get out. And so the movie takes off pretty much right away because she sort of escapes and then her husband or boyfriend. Oh, no, it's a husband. I actually, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. But he uh, kills himself. And then throughout the rest of the movie, she's being antagonized and threatened and stuff by him. And I mean, you can kind of tell from the preview that he's not gone and it's called the invisible man <laughs> so yeah so he's there and this is a very tense movie throughout the movie you know she's obviously trying to like convince people that he's still there it, the movie doesn't waste time in getting into him kind of interfering with stuff too and doing threatening things and I mean, from there, you can just kind of imagine stuff on your own without me saying much more about the plot. Pretty much anything I'm going to say from here on out is mostly like the good of the movie. The use of framing is really effective. Like the camera work is good at making you feel this presence without there actually even being anything to see. So for instance, uh, for anybody who doesn't I guess have exposure to like kind of basic photography stuff, when someone is looking in, you know, left or right, you generally want them looking from, if they're on the left side of the screen, you want them looking to the right kind of into the open space and they use the opposite of that. So she'll be looking off screen and she'll be standing near the edge of the screen. So it makes the space behind her feel like he's there without having to do much more to imply his presence. And it's really effective. I think the stuff that he does to mess with her isn't just like useless, goofy pranks. Uh, I think in a, in another movie like this, you might see things where someone's being spooked and it's just like, what do you call this? A uh, jump scares. Mm -hmm. and just things thrown in there, but they, they have no effect. In this movie, it's like most of the things that happen have some sort of consequence and are, are pretty important. And some of them are actually like used to make the main character seem kind of aggressive. So it adds a lot of weight to events in the movie. It doesn't make it just seem like nothing's really happening except for these thrown in jump scares and the like. That was kind of uh, an ineffective tone throughout the movie. Like I felt the stress kind of in the shoes of the main character where I'm like, oh, he's making all this crappy stuff happen. And I really wanted to get out. And there was one point where I was like, I want this movie to end just because I'm anxious and realized, oh, this is pretty effective here. So, and there's a lot throughout the entire movie that's you can kind of put together without them spelling out things. There's not a lot of like exposition dump and it's a pretty well edited movie too. I think I, it felt like it was shorter than it was. And I think pretty much the entire time I just felt pretty impressed. Like I, I was waiting for it to get bad. This is a Blumhouse movie. And I had just seen that other Blumhouse movie, Fantasy Island. Uh, so that was a bit of a like, oh God, how, how bad is this going to be? But I think the worst part of this movie really was that there were moments where the character, I think her name was Cassie, is she'll be talking to people and trying to convince them that, you know, he's around, that he's dangerous. And she would seem... Like it would be following some moment of her seeming aggressive due to whatever he's done. She'd say like, oh, no, that was, you know, this is him. He's ruining everything, whatever. And in those moments, they would have her seem a bit kind of like if the point of it is that people are going to think she's hallucinating, they have her acting in such a way that it would be hard to take her seriously. It's not super over the top and she should be distraught given the circumstances, but she's a little bit more I, I seeming like, like they're trying to make her look quote unquote crazy or something. So that, the, that was a little bit of a ding, 
but not enough that I can't completely recommend this movie. I think everybody ought to see it. It's really good. And, oh, you know, actually, with it being in as intense as it is and there being a lot of domestic violence stuff to it, this movie may not be for everybody, you know? So if, if you are sensitive to things like that and you don't enjoy movies like uh, maybe like Enough is the one that comes to mind right now, although I don't think anybody even saw that movie. But if, if domestic violence stuff makes you uncomfortable, you might not want to see it. Otherwise, it's a pretty good movie. Check it out. Okay. It looks fun. Yeah. It's a really, really satisfying movie experience i don't think you need to see it in the theater but Mm -hmm. if you want to if you're looking to go to the theater and you just want to see something good i'd say put this at the top of your list okay yeah that sounds great cool and and in spite of those moments that i was talking about where it seems like things are meant to make her look a little extra unstable i get the sense that that's more direction than anything because elizabeth moss is really really good in this and so was the other actor whose name i accidentally deleted (laughs) Aldi. Aldi? Isn't that we Aldi? <laughs> that sounds isn't that his name? That sounds similar. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that. Aldi. Uh <laughs> named after that supermarket. Aldis Hodge. Oh, I was close. Oh, and there's a there's a kid actor in this too, and she's actually really good too. Her name is Storm Reed. Do you get to see the invisible man's junk flopping around like Kevin Bacon in Hollow Man? This movie is a lot better than Hollow Man. <laughs> <laughs> and no you don't see his junk flopping around I'd, I'd refuse to believe that statement not the junk one but better than hollow man i don't think it's possible it's, it's definitely better than hollow man. <laughs> <laughs> all right looks Great. like well, it's I got a to see it so 7.6 on uh, imdb i'm surprised i'm surprised it's not higher yeah well take a look at the rating that they gave legend of tarzan and you're gonna be like this is a waste of my time well tell me about it right now Legend of Tarzan from 2016, directed by David Yates. It stars Alexander Skarsgård, Margot Robbie, really? Christoph Waltz, and Samuel L. Jackson. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. Who? What are all these people doing in this movie? And um, what's his name is in this, too? The dude from... He was in Guardians, and then he was in Captain Marvel, but also Shazam. Oh, the guy from uh, Gladiator? Yeah, something with a D... Did I almost said Digimon, but that's the name of a terrible show. Digimon, Digimon Hunso, he's in this too, and uh, that's a shame. This movie mm. is a cluster. It has a six point two. Yeah, which is which is way too high. Incomprehensible was the movie was the word I wanted to use to describe this movie. Really incomprehensible. How can this possibly exist in the way that it is? So one of the things I realized while watching this is that this is. The Dark Knight Rises of a tar- of the Tarzan trilogy. Oh, Lord. Oh, what's that, Matt? You say you haven't seen the first two Tarzan movies? Wait, what? I huh? thought you meant it was The Dark Knight Rises in that it was not that good. Wait, there are two others? No, there's not. But this is the third one. Okay, so this takes place after itself. Yeah. So this movie takes place after Tarzan has been rescued and brought back to England. What? Where he becomes, yeah, he he is assumed the life of like his parents who were aristocrats or whatever, and he's like Lord John Colton, John Clayton, and he's aristocrat, and he's married to Margot Robbie, who is Jane, and Samuel L. Jackson shows up. He plays an American by the name of George Washington Williams, who's a Civil War veteran who works for the State Department, and he has suspicions that in Belgian-owned Congo, they are restarting the slave trade uh, against international law, and he wants to go in there and find out what's the deal. And Tarzan begrudgingly accepts the invitation to, to go on the mission, because Christoph Waltz, who plays a character named Leo, I'm sorry, Leon Rom, is the bad guy, and he is looking for these... Remember the movie Congo? Yeah. Where they're looking looking for for laser monkeys? Kind of. He's looking for diamonds to power his laser weapons. Oh, Uh, gosh. That's not true, the laser weapons thing, but that's all I could think about the whole time was, oh, they're going to eventually use these Congo diamonds to power their laser weapons and then have that sign language monkey is Tarzan's mom. So that's what I was thinking about the whole time. The the extended Tarzan universe. I still remember from having seen Congo once that 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 monkey's name was that chimp's name rather was amy 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and Amy doesn't like that. Mm-hmm. Now, she say Amy no like or something, something like that. <laughs> uh, so Christoph Waltz is the bad guy. Margot Robbie is in this and is terrible. She's oh, just no. terrible. I don't blame Margot Robbie. Yeah. For that, but while she's on screen performing, you're like, ugh, why is this terrible Brooklyn actress performing in this role? And then right before we started the show, I looked I looked up her IMDB because I was like, Margot Robbie hasn't been around that long. What else is she like what's what else is she in? And first of all, she was born in nineteen ninety, which weirded me out. But she's from Australia. Australia, yeah. Yeah. I thought she was like a an American. Yeah. And I hear you on the 1990 thing too. So that was, that kind of blew me away. And I was like, Oh, well, why did they just, I, uh, I have never read any of the Tarzan books and I don't think I've ever seen another Tarzan movie besides the Disney one. And maybe the other ones when I was a kid, like those old black and white serials and stuff. Like maybe I saw a few of them. Like I know who Tarzan is, right? Like everybody knows who Tarzan is and Tarzan and Jane, like you get it. He's, the king of the ape men or whatever. And Margot Robbie's doing this American accent the whole time. And it is the worst. It just does not fit with anything going on. Even Samuel L. Jackson is, is in this movie for some reason. And he is just terrible in this. He's got this ridiculous wig on. And I normally don't spot things like that, like, like wigs and, yeah. and whatnot. You sh- I, they usually like, I'm just like, yeah, that's his hair. But like this one, I'm like, Samuel L. Jackson is a bald man. Like he, he's got the most beautiful head of no hair. <laughs> and you've got this fake head of hair. <laughs> yeah. And in this movie, he's wearing this like terrible, it's, I mean, it's not even a terrible wig, but I'm just like Samuel L. Jackson doesn't have hair and it, he's got like more hair in this movie than he does in Jurassic Park. So that's your, your plot is, is Christoph Waltz kidnaps Jane and, and Tarzan's got to save her. And, and Christoph Waltz is, is taking, is basically leading Tarzan to Dijman Hunso, who wants Tarzan's life for killing his son years ago when Tarzan lived in the jungle. There's your plot. Okay. That is a lot of plot. It's there's not, there is not a lot of plot. Well, there's a lot (laughs) of things. Yeah. This is a movie that deserved to be shot in africa oh I like a movie like in this. the head <laughs> no, like i mean there's a shell of a pretty exciting movie here yeah or a pretty interesting movie and you could tell they got real cheap with with everything i was reading the internet trivia for it and the director who is david yates who directed like a whole bunch of the harry potter movies and the the newer Harry Potter movies. They took him on some tour, an airplane tour of Africa, and were flying him all over the place to get like looks at vistas and stuff, like location scouting. Mm-hmm. And then he flew back to England and said, We want it to look like this. And they're like, Okay, get to work, computer people. Make it look like that. And then later they sent a cinematographer out to shoot landscape stuff so that they could just green screen everything in. Oh, yeah. And a movie like this, this this, this needed to be shot in Africa. Like this needed that, that on location, on location feel. kind of feel. Yeah. Because everything about this movie feels so fake. At no point do you feel like you're actually in the jungle or a, a part of this this world. Some of the animals, I, I I haven't seen that Lion King remake yet, the John Favreau Lion King, yeah, yet. But from from the trailers, like the animals in that are breathtakingly gorgeous. This movie has some some of that where you're you're very impressed with like the emotion and you're able to recognize some of these gorillas and like the differences between them are like each each gorilla has its own personality and it doesn't exist you know like it's just a cartoon character yeah and that's very impressive and then they'll then they'll show this close-up of an ostrich's face and you're like what is this hanna-barbera cartoon doing in the middle of this warner brothers picture <laughs> like it's the worst looking thing there's another part where margot robbie is on is like trapped on a boat oh and at one point she refers to herself so what am i just a damsel in distress and you're like uh-huh yeah. And so she's on a boat, like handcuffed to a bar and this cartoon butterfly starts floating around her. And some of the sequences, the butterfly looks real where you're like, oh, that looks real. Oh, it looks terrible. Oh, it looks real. 
oh, it looks terrible. You could tell like two different people were making this animation or, <laughs> or two different teams were making the animation. And that's the other thing about this movie is that it feels like it's directed by four different people. You've got one guy who wishes he was Zack Snyder because there's a lot of fast forward, slow, slow motion. Yeah, okay. And then there's another guy who thinks he's real artsy because uh, you'll be swinging around like on vines in the jungle, like Spider-Man in the jungle, and the camera will be upside down or will be unbelievably close on someone's face and get just real artsy stuff where you're like, this doesn't fit with the rest of it. And then you got your third director who directed most of the movie, who's very boring, where it's stand in front of that green screen. Great. We got it. Just we'll just, we'll just fill in everything shot. else. Yeah. Say your lines, move on. Oh man. Some of the, I mean, the special effects in this movie are the most, the, uh, the people who put this out should be embarrassed that, that they put this out. I was shocked watching it. The, uh, uh, this is a Warner brothers movie. Like, like it feels like it should be like a lower tier, like a new line cinema presentation. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, Wow. This is what they decided to go with. And this was like supposed to be a huge summer movie. Like this was supposed to kickstart a whole franchise. And I guess it did well. Wait, like, I if you want to the... kickstart a franchise, why would you start after the events? Exactly. And this movie is nothing but f like every time the movie gets bored, it's like, oh, let's flashback. Let's flash back to when Tarzan was a baby. Let's flash back to when Tarzan was a little boy. Let's flash back to when Tarzan was a teenager. Let's flash back to when Tarzan meets Jane. Let's flash back to the last time we flash back. There are so many flashbacks in this movie. And then there are parts where we flash back to stuff we have already flashed back to. Uh. At one point, Margot Robbie says the same monologue twice about the legend of Tarzan. And you're just like, why? Are you serious? Yeah. There's there's this one sequence where they're in his village where where they kind of the two of them kind of grew up and the the local people are singing like a native song and she's translating for Samuel L. Jackson and she says they're singing the legend of Tarzan about how they didn't know if he was real the boy who lived with the apes blah 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 all that stuff and then at the end of the movie it's the end of Spider-Man 2 where you're just swinging around New York City uh -huh. except it's Tarzan in the jungle just swinging around and she's doing the same exact monologue where it's like they're talking about the legend of Tarzan the boy who lived with the apes many moons ago literally says many moons ago mm. yeah this movie was embarrassing to watch how like, long I, was it an hour 50 Ugh. i could have watched hot rod i mean you're lucky because every movie's like two hours and 45 minutes nowadays yeah yeah <laughs> that's true but yeah, this movie feels like there was a lot cut out of it. Oh, I bet there like, was. It feels like there was more story and they were just like, chop it, chop it. Margot Robbie also looks kind of terrible in this too. She's got this weird red hair, which is usually my thing, but not on Margot Robbie. She's just not right for this part. And I, I will say that Alexander Skarsgård looks the part. He looks fantastic. The dude is ripped. He's got cool hair. He's he's a beefcake. Like he's a total babe. <laughs> but he and Margot Robbie have absolutely no chemistry whatsoever. And it's hard to watch. Like this was this was brutal. I saw this was this was playing on TNT the other week while I was at work. Yeah. And I was like, is this what is this? Is this Tarzan? And they're like, Yeah, I was like, Samuel Jackson isn't this? I did the same thing you did. And then it came up in my list and I was like, Well, I have to watch it now. So now I've seen it. You gotta stop running by these rules. <laughs> <laughs> this this was bad. This was really bad. It, it sounds it. It's I mean the CGI was at one point they're running around in the trees and it looks worse than that sequence in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull where oh, Shia LaBeouf see, is swinging around with the monkeys. Bad CGI. This wow. looks worse than that. Oh, and God. you've got 80-year-old Samuel L. Jackson jumping off of cliffs and falling through trees to catch himself. And it's just so unrealistic. Now, like, they could have made a fun movie here. Like, there's a, there, like I said, there's a shell yeah. of a pretty decent fun movie here if they just kind of dove into it a little more. Mm -hmm. Like, Christoph, Christoph Waltz is the bad guy. And 
it seems like he wants to play the same character he does in Inglorious Bastards, and either he didn't want to do it or they wouldn't let him do it. But his he's like this villain, but he's got no teeth whatsoever. He's got nothing to do. He's very boring. I, I thought you meant that literally for a moment. <laughs> like he's got no teeth. Why is that a thing? <laughs> he does have this set of uh, uh, rosary beads that he uses, like Jet Li and Lethal Weapon 4, which uh, was pretty weird. And so that's it. Like uh, he just kept waiting for Christoph Waltz to do something interesting and he just never does. He's just he's as terrible in this movie as he was in Spectre where uh-huh. he's just got nothing where they're just like, "Who look, it's Christoph Waltz. He's going to do that thing we all like." Oh, he didn't do it. I haven't seen all right, Spectre, maybe next but I've time. heard bad things. It's not very good. Fair enough. Looks great, but it's it's not a good story. Boring story. Very boring. I'll pass. But like some of the some of the action is pretty is pretty good, but like meaningless. Just you don't care about any of these characters. Tarzan starts doing the Tarzan scream for no reason. Like Man, you know, the, when you said he starts doing the Tarzan, like I thought you were gonna say there was a dance. <laughs> oh man. Okay, sorry. No, that's at the that's at the end of the credits where they all do the Tarzan. The ta 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 Tarzan. Oh god. But you say he started but doing the Tarzan scream. He does the Tarzan scream, but he does it off camera and you hear it off in the distance. And Margot Robbie's like, that's my boy Tarzan. He's coming to save me, Mr. J. I mean, Christoph Waltz. And you're like, uh, and then he does it again later where you're just like, I wish I saw the first Tarzan movie where we got to see Tarzan do anything instead of just look sad all the time. He just always looks so sad. It's because he's, he's got Tarzan. no He's got no emotion. He's Alexander Skarsgård was terrible in this, <laughs> but looked he looked great. fantastic. Looked fantastic. I mean, damn dog. Kid was ripped. Tarzan's something they need to just let go. It's over. You're not. I don't think you're ever going <laughs> to yeah, bring Tarzan back. I don't think back. that's a thing that could be a thing after like the 1950s. Yeah, it's there's a lot of colonialism in this, and they they do play that up, which is why I think Samuel L. Jackson is in it to be kind of like, oh, I mean, they're trying to jumpstart the slave trade, but we've got this Tarzan's working with this black guy from America, Civil War veteran, and you know, we're we're all against slavery, so we we can have all these black people in bondage, so we're cool, right? This is fine, great. That sounds gross. It is felt very cheap yeah it sounds it uh, emotionally cheap on top of the very cheap looking special effects mm-hmm. so for real though that's the that's all i have on legend <laughs> of tarzan sure it is well matt it's we've talked about four movies and somehow we're only in the first hour of this show still wow good for us yeah i guess it's time for our movie ranking list and is that what we I do have i yours. thought you were changing things up you know i have an idea and i guess i'll throw it by you right now see how you feel about it this probably won't make the show okay all right so we're, we're going back into the show now all right so matt as of last week we've retired our you didn't know it but we have now retired our 2019 movie rankings list which was a lot of fun uh the memories the memories the memories uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Just remember all that lactation uh gross Stellan Skarsgård's got some huge pecs in this movie Man, uh, you in, just can't in the Tarzan stop movie dude's a hunk <laughs> and so we are starting a new list again it'll be two separate lists your list and my list but this time we're gonna get a little more specific with no, it. we should have to rate the movies the other person saw I kind of like no I no kind of like no, that idea no we should add that as a category <laughs> What do you think? We should call it the what do you think I'll give it category. Oh, God. I'm going to add that. (laughs) I'm going to call it the what do's. (laughs) That category is just off the spreadsheet, so we may forget about it. Just where it belongs, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So we're going to keep track of the movie title, the episode that we saw it, and then we have six categories now of what we're going to rate the movie on. We've got... The plot of the movie, which will encompass like the general story and writing, the acting, which is the acting, pacing of the movie, the aesthetics of the movie, and how much we enjoyed the movie. And then the final category is, hey, Nick or Matt, what do you think I'm going to rate this movie as? Which was, which is great. And these are all on a one to five? Yeah, we could do that. All right. One to five with half stars. Okay. All right. So Matt, 
you are up first. What is the greatest movie of all time? Wait, what? I thought I was talking about The Invisible Man. Yeah, it's going at the top of your list. Oh, the the these are also still going in an order. I see. Well, then, The Invisible Man is the greatest movie ever. Oh, wow. 2020. On a scale of 0.5 to 5, what would you rate the plot of The Invisible Man as? I'm going to give it a 4. A 4? Wow, okay. Yeah, this is a, a well well laid out story. I, if it were maybe a bit more complex, it might be able to earn that final like fifth star. But but four's good. Four's really good. Okay. How would you rate the acting in the movie? I'm gonna go with a four point five on that one. Wow, four point five. That's almost as high as it goes. Now, pacing. How'd you feel about the pacing of the movie? Overall it was good. There's a weird thing that happens where the climax happens, but then there's like this sort of it's not a denouement thing, but there's almost like a final thing to to wrap up at the end. So there's this extra like ten minutes and it's makes sense that it's there and it's pretty important but it makes the climax feel a little bit strangely placed or it makes something that has as much action that it seems like the climax as though it is the climax you'll have to see it to really understand what i'm saying but Mm -hmm. the the pacing is good overall that's just a weird little nugget of strange so i'm gonna give the pacing a four okay the next question is the general aesthetics like how is the direction cinematography sound you know, especially because of the camera work and the implying the invisible dude being there, I'm going to have to give this a, it's getting points for that, but there's not a whole lot of like amazingly beautiful shots or anything. So eh, I'm going to give it a four. Four. Wow. This is, this is way up there. And what's your enjoyment on this movie? What's your enjoyment level? People are going to see this movie and say, Matt, you may have rated this movie too highly. <laughs> but the truth is I really enjoyed it and I enjoy it even more as each day goes by and I get further away from it too. So I'm going to have to give it a 4.5. Wow. Okay. That feels high. Five. That feels high. Feels very high. Yeah. Now what do I think you you would give this movie? I think you'd give this movie a three and a half, but... That's what, what I know. that's what you would have guessed that I would have given it? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. We should probably do that one probably first. Guess that. Yeah, I think it, it makes <laughs> more sense. I, I don't understand I how already... you're coming up with this number, given what I've, everything I've just said. Right. Well, uh, I mean, I decided what it was before you started saying all your stuff. Fair. So I didn't cheat. I didn't go back and change my number. Good on you with the honor system. Okay. So well, then I guess I have to guess at yours before you give them, right? Yeah. All right. So we're still right, we're so still working out the kinks on this one. Yeah, we're still listeners. We, we finally figured out how to do the old list, so we threw it away. Right. <laughs> yeah, how's this so, going to work on Letterboxd? You can like make comments and stuff with your reviews. I could break it down like that in, inside of it. You'll be able to see the numbers for it. Got it. So um, what's the first movie? So the first movie is The King's Speech. What do you think I'm going to give this movie? Hmm. I feel like you are going to give it a four. Okay. And the Bash Brothers I movie short. I feel like you're going to give that a four. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And Legend of Tarzan. I think you're going to give it a one. A one, okay. It's either a one or a point five, and I'm going to go with one because you got to reserve uh, some space down there for the <laughs> extra yeah. garbage. All right, so going back up to the King's Speech plot of this movie, I'm going to give four stars. Uh, actually, I'm going to go with four and a half stars for the plot. Mm. Uh, acting, I think, is five stars. Okay, total five stars. Pacing of the movie, I'm going to go with four. It does get a little slow sometimes, and there are a few moments where you're just like, this is cliched. Let's let's go. Come on. The aesthetic, I'm going to go with a 4.5. It's, it's like I said, it's gorgeous to look at, and the sound and cinematography, just, just great. The enjoyment that I got out of it, I'm going to give it a, a solid 4. That might go up if I were to watch it again in the future, but it looks like your 4 is pretty spot on. I don't know. You uh, gave it a 5 and then a 4.5, so it might get a 4.5. Well, you're going to drag my number down, though, so... The Bash Brothers... Oh, wait, your uh, guess gets gets averaged into the rest of the numbers? Uh-huh. What? I don't know. We'll figure out the <laughs> Okay, we, all right. <laughs> we've got the raw data right now. We'll figure, we'll figure out how we'll use it later. <laughs> sure. The Bash Brothers thing. Now, this doesn't really have a plot, yeah. so I got to give it a one. It's, it's, it's a straight-up one for that. I see. And then... 
the acting is terrible. Like, it's deliberately terrible. So, again, I think I'm going to go with a 1.5 for acting. It's terrible or it's deliberately terrible? That seems like a different thing. It, but it is, it, 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 it's deliberately terrible. But they're, they're funny. So, yeah, you talked me into it. I'm going to go with a 2. Pacing. There are a couple slow parts in a 30-minute special, so I'm going to give it a 3.5. The aesthetic is 4.5. It's fantastic looking. Really? Uh, and... Yeah. The enjoyment that I got out of it, five stars. Okay. Five stars for it. But I think that one for the plot's really going to hurt the overall number. Yeah. But I can't really go higher than that because, well, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, 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 I'm going to change it. I'm going to go two and a half on the acting because... Because Cause reasons. I'm just going to... For, for reasons that I'm not going to discuss. Maybe if we had the proper forum, you're, I could You're running an algorithm in your mind. <laughs> And what you came up with was a uh, 2.5. It's like uh, it's like Brigsby Bear. <laughs> We've, we, uh, so it turns out the answer was uh, four. <laughs> the Legend of Tarzan. Plot for this movie gets a one. Acting for this movie gets one. Pacing for this movie gets a one. <laughs> Aesthetic for this movie gets a point five. Ooh. Enjoyment of this movie, 1.5, strangely. <laughs> I can't explain that. <laughs> that algorithm again hard at work uh so you're pretty much spot on with uh i think you're gonna average out exactly correct which i believe according to the algorithm means you get a bonus point <laughs> I don't know. this uh, is a flawless system people all right so we're still working out the kinks with the new list so we'll we'll figure it out matt anything for midwest matt recommends this week you know, actually, for anyone who is into, like, Instagram people or anyone you would follow who are just, like, really positive people, there's a there's a young lady out there by the name of Kenzie Brenna, K-E-N-Z-I-E-B-R-E-N-N-A, on Instagram, who's just a super cool person. Um, she's, like, a body positive person. She does speaking and stuff like that. She's just super cool. She's very um, straightforward about and, and open about her own life and in a way that doesn't seem like manipulative or like uh falsely positive and just like super happy it's just like pretty real and she seems like a great sweetheart so check her out if you're looking for something to add to your day that's more or less uh pleasant all right i think we could all use a little more pleasant these days yeah especially if you're like self-critical pretty harsh judgment in your own mind check her out i just judge people you're doing not it wrong. Movies. Judge movies. <laughs> I've been doing what you said every week. It's not how it goes. Uh, I got most of the words. If you would like to send us a message or tell us what you saw in movies this week so we can talk about it on the air, contact us on all the usual social networks or send us an email at thisweekinfilmpodcast at gmail.com. You can check out, you can try to check out the website. I think I made it worse the other day, so good luck. <laughs> but you found the show, so you're halfway there. <laughs> So, Matt, anything else for this week? Uh, no. I'm good. All right. Well, I guess if that is the end of the reel, we will see you next week in film. Judge movies, especially Tarzan, not people. <laughs>